Triple H FM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony LeBall Caruso with you as we are going to be recording for you Another preview. Yes, this is the one we've been waiting for. Football is back for another season. It is the 2022-23 Premier League preview. And boy, are we in for an absolute treat. We're going to be taking down our predictions from 1 to 20 and just showing how bad we are when it comes to our predictions indeed. Joining me tonight for our show, well, Whenever we talk football, we've always got to have him on the show. It is the spicy chorizo, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening, Paul. Good evening, listeners. It's great to be here talking all things football once again. EPL, well, I'll tell you what, it's like clockwork, isn't it? There, as soon as you think you've got a break from it, in from the shadows, it comes back up. We've had all the uh, English Premier League teams as well playing over here in Australia in pre-season friendly. So if that hasn't fired you up for some... Uh, new season action, then I don't know what else will. Oh, absolutely not. And, uh, well, it's going to be a very controversial season all round this year, especially given that we are going to be having a fairly significant break, which is why this season is going to be starting uber early, Dom. Yes, obviously the World Cup in Qatar uh, will take place during the summer months for Australia uh, to make that a little bit more... uh, (laughs) Uh, sensible and, and and sense for our Australian listeners, because the uh, weather over there is too hot uh, during their actual summer. So it'll be played in the winter time in Guatar, uh, so that they can actually get the season um, under well, the competition underway, I should say. Uh, meaning that uh, it will definitely spice up, so to speak, uh, the back half of the season. Uh, of 2023. So really interesting to see how that comes into play and where that might uh, have some of our teams placed on our predicted ladders come the end of the season. Absolutely. Well, joining us tonight, we need to have a special guest and we have got a very special guest for you indeed. He joined us for a couple of our football commentary sessions when we were doing the MWFA versus the NSFA select matches down at Cromer Park and he's joining us on debut on here on Splinters from YMCA New South Wales out at Pimble, Luke Scarley. Good evening to you. Uh, good evening, Jansen. Good evening, everyone. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me on the podcast for my debut. Obviously, I did those games with you um, down at Crown Park. They were absolutely enjoyable, um, and I'm very, very eager to see how this EPL season uh, goes. All, most of our winter sport here in uh, Australia has been rained out so far. Um, we've had to be forced to watch as many games as we can on television um, from whatever league we can find, and I'm just waiting for the EPL to get started August 6th. Well, Dom, it's a far cry from what we were doing during the middle of COVID when we were following with intent the Hungarian League is the only one that was actually going at the time. Well, yeah, exactly right. Uh, The world of football brings uh, many mysteries all the time. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, 
this this preview obviously is so big. We have to split it into two parts. We're going to give you first half in alphabetical order. So we've got the first 10 teams lined up. We are all set to go. The referee is out in the middle now, and we are all set to play. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. I'm going to kick things off tonight with our first team in alphabetical order. It is AFC Bournemouth. So we're going to give everyone our predictions of where we think they are going to finish. This one's going to be really interesting in terms of where they're going to finish here. We'll go through the transfers, how much they spent, and where they think we need to go. But to first start off with, Bournemouth, I've predicted 17th. Luke's tipped 18th. Dom's tipped 19th. So two teams think Bournemouth are going down. And Dom... They have been very quiet on the transfer window for a team that's just been promoted. Well, it is very Bournemouth-like, obviously. They're not a particularly affluent or sorry, affluent club uh, in general when it comes to the, you know, the lofty uh, clubs in the Premier League in terms of uh, riches. They've got one of the smallest stadiums in the world uh, at this particular um, level as well. So they're not known to be... Um, particularly, you know, big spenders in the transfer market. You know, when they were in the Premier League a few seasons ago, I think they only took a a year or two break, maybe even just a year. Um, It was based off, obviously, Eddie Howe doing a great job at the time and just really picking up some great players on loan who would be, you know, then impress, kind of like a Southampton model these days, and impress um, their potential uh, home clubs and then getting gigs elsewhere. But... It did eventually catch up with them, and the quality potentially wasn't available to them, and they did fall short eventually. And judging on what they've seen so far and what we've seen from clubs re-entering the Premier League, you do need to put some investment into it. You know, they brought in the likes of Gary Cahill, um, who has that Premier League experience, but honestly, I think he's probably as old as my dad is nowadays. Um, so I'm not too sure if he's going to be the answer to their challenges to start the season with. But, look, they've got some decent players in the squad who have got Premier League experience as well. So um, it's just whether or not they'll be able to maybe ride that uh, that special kind of home ground advantage, home ground advantage they love to, to have um, during that, throughout the season. And, and there's an interesting point here that comes to that, Luke, is that the success of this team is largely attributed to Eddie Howe, who's been rated probably the best manager in England under the age of 45. Mm. They've got Scott Parker in now, who became known as a perennial yo-yo with Fulham. Are we going to see this again, or will Scott Parker finally work out how to actually stay in the Premier League? Well, I do have them in the bottom three, but... When you look at their squad, they actually have a wealth of Premier League experience. They've retained a lot of players from uh, previous seasons or even other clubs in the Premier League. I'm just looking at it now. We've got Solanke in there. He's had a great, you know, form in the in the Championship. Also, he's got that Premier League experience with Liverpool in the past. Um, and they're going to be tough to beat at home like they always have been, but they have gone down in times where you think they're going to get a draw. And they've just got to really solidify and get those draws, um, which they've failed to in the past. Um, like I said, I've got them in the bottom three, and uh, just to bounce off what Dom said, if they're going to have to, if they're going to stay, they're going to have to make it hard to beat in their small ground. They're going to have to make it noisy and just put the opposition off, and that's all they're going to be able to do. Even though I do have them going down. We then move on to one of the the first big club in alphabetical order. It is Arsenal, managed once again by Mikel Arteta. Uh, I've tipped them as fourth, Luke's tipped sixth, and Dom has tipped fifth. And Luke, this is a team 
that have managed to clean out some of their deadwood, but geez, they've gone to break the bank and looks like they're not done yet either. No, they don't seem to have a bad contract in their side, to be honest. Everyone's on good wage now. There's obviously a few that are up up there, but they've got rid of those massive wage bills that they had with other players like Ozil and Lacazette, or Bamiang for that fact. Um, it's all going to balance on those midfield three, those young guys, Smith-Rowe, Saka, and uh, Odegaard there. If they can do what they did last year, they might finish higher than my predicted sixth. Um, but I'm thinking they're going to be in that range because I cannot see them performing at that level that they did last year. Um, unless some more big signings are coming in. Gabriel Jesus, amazing. But when you're feeding off De Bruyne, Gundogan, Mares, Bernardo Silva, you're going to get goals. I want to be able to see him do it himself. Yeah, I've got to bounce off that uh, as well and, and totally agree with uh, what Luke is saying there. But those guys are going to have to go to another level this season, and they're still young. And this is the problem that I have with them cracking that top four yet. Um, they've got absolute quality in terms of, you know, in terms of the ability and the youth, but there's, they lack that, I would say, experience in a lot of areas. And even their experienced players tend not to be, I would say, the greatest leaders, like your granite shackers and your... And I don't even know who their leader is now. I guess Thomas Party is the next oldest after him. They've got a damn young squad this year. And they're going up against seasoned, you know, teams. And it's a new team. They bring in, obviously, Gabriel Jesus, who will hopefully finally uh, give them some consistency up front. They, the big news is, obviously, they've got another signing in. Uh, Alexander Sinchenko coming in as well from Manchester City as Mikel Arteta continues to raid um, his uh, well, the former club he just worked out as an assistant coach under Pep Guardiola. Whether they'll bring more in, I'm not too sure. Um, I, they'll welcome back William Saliba as well, who's quality at centre-back this year. I think what Arteta needs to do early on is to nut down who his starting 11 is going to be. When you've got a lot of young guys here looking to play first-team football, it can sometimes cause havoc in around the consistency and the structure of the squad. So he needs to find what that best formula is right away uh, and continue um, with that. But it's going to be a tall order to go from fifth to fourth. But when mm. you look at it this way, it's only two games that they bottled last year that got, that kept them from that Champions League spot. So they can keep you know their heads together, this youthful squad, and show some experience, then they have a chance. But I, I just don't see it happening in uh, this new season either. Who do you think is going to be in that back line, uh, Dom? You, well, you've got to have um, Gabriel will be in there. Tierney, if he's fit. You're looking yeah. at Benjamin White. I, I, I'm not too sure they'll like to implement a, a back back three and bring in William Saliba, but you're looking at, I think, their back four is probably going to be White and Gabriel to start with, and then you've got Tommy Yasu out in the, at, at left back and then probably... So right back and then uh, Kieran Tinier at left back to start. And then maybe, I'm not too sure what they'll do with Sinchenko, whether they'll use him in a kind of rotating role. Maybe they'll put, deploy him in centre mid like he plays for in the Ukraine, perhaps. But I'm not too sure whether or not he could probably dislodge Kieran Tinier because Kieran Tinier arguably is probably their most That's what I was biggest, well. biggest attacking threat, right? You know, he, so, is their, he is their guy. I think yeah. for this year, that's going to bit, put those balls into the box for Hezus to get onto. Um, he could play centre back, he could play Zinchenko in the middle, but that back line doesn't look as strong as it could be. Um, 
it's their weakest it's their weakest part they've got goals in them but can they help keep them out that's mm. the typical part and it's that thing with they have to go and you know like we all uh, saying goes that they've got to go do it on a rainy cold night in Stoke or somewhere like that during the middle yeah. of the week. Can they can they do it? Do have this Arsenal side of youngsters go do it? That's that's the tough question. Oh, I'm having I'm having flashbacks of Rory Galap at the moment and Arsenal's <laughs> horrible record whenever he played against whenever he, they played against him. So let's move on Swing to our next. In. Oh, why not? Why not? Let's move into our next team. It is Aston Villa. And as is always, we do have one diehard Villa supporter in this podcast. Dom, the floor is yours. Thank you, uh, Caruso. I, I appreciate that. Yes, of course, I will be uh, tipping uh, Aston Villa for lofty heights again this season. I'm going with seventh this year. I just think that some of the bigger squads have really invested quite well this year. And it's probably going to be tough for... Uh, uh, Aston Villa to maybe break up that, uh, say, oligarch society that is the the big six in the Premier League just yet. I've just been watching them uh, play in the uh, pre-season tours as well here in Australia, and they haven't looked exactly crash hot. So there's going to be some teething issues, I think, to start with for Steven Gerrard. The biggest thing that he needs to do, again, similar to Arteta, they brought all these players in, but what's the best formation? What's the best team? You know, what's going to produce results week in, week out? Because they were gloriously inconsistent last year, Aston Villa. They were arguably one of the better teams in the Premier League and then sometimes one of the worst. It was difficult to kind of watch as a fan. Uh, they've bossed the transfer market, bringing in, in uh, Diego Carlos, signing Felipe Coutinho on a uh, full-time contract. Bubaka Kamara is a talent from Marseille who they got for free um, and also bringing in um, Ludwig Augustine as a kind of backup uh, fullback as well. So they've got, you know, um, some talent in there, but it's just whether or not they can get the formula right and week in, week out. And perhaps there's still some work to be done in the market for Steven Gerrard, but we'll be interested to see where he puts that investment. And Luke, I've got to say, there's been some very good business done here by Aston Villa. And, and the one that, I don't know which one impressed me more. The fact they've got Coutinho and Olsen on loans made permanent and then Kamara on a free, or the fact that they managed to sell Matt Target, who I don't rate as a particularly great defender. They've shipped him to Newcastle for 17 and a half million euros. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. They flipped Matt Target and pretty much. I know Diego Carlos costs $31 million, but he is a much higher caliber player, um, very powerful runner. Uh, he's got pace. He can actually physically body someone, which is going to be great for the Premier League. And partnering him with Tyrone Mings in the middle of the, of the back line is going to be exceptional. And to change target to, to Carlos, that's some great work by Gerard in the front office. I would like to see how Leon Bailey goes this year. Had an absolute stinker last year. Played well um, at prior clubs, but... He could be a, he could be a surprise source. Remember those days of um, Felipe Anderson coming in and doing a one season wonder of absolutely yeah. sensational play. That could possibly be what I would like to see from Leon Bailey this season. Oh, Dom, you know, you're writing that that business deal. Those business deals, aren't they? Whoever's working that front office there, they need a promotion. Yeah, it's been uh, excellent. Uh... Uh, transfer work for Villa the last couple of seasons uh, ever since they got rid of the initial sporting director who was in charge uh, when they first came back in the Premier League um, but did manage to survive that year and then uh, brought in he's a, he's a Norwegian guy and I, I can't his name escapes me and he's just done wonders he's done a fantastic job uh, there's plenty like of robbery here. on Arsenal mate daylight robbery to get Martinez in goals 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Amazing right, yeah. signing. <laughs> Incredible signing. Obviously, there's there's likes of that have just been fantastic. Um, you know, Ollie Watkins was a great pickup in the end as well. Uh, Danny Ings was pretty cheap. And Leon Bailey, yeah, I'd love to see him get to the level that fans know he can get to. Um, it, it maybe just might require some patience and sometimes you've got to maybe fit in players around him. You know, it, it's difficult to say he can come in and play uh, kind of a roaming role, if he's, especially if he's playing on the left, his favoured left-hand side. And you've got Luca Dean there who is a fantastic attacking fullback, but defensively can be a bit challenging. And if he's got Leon Bailey there, who doesn't really defend, there could be a big weak point for Villa. So it's just finding the right place for him, really. Would you have Let's liked to have seen to... someone like Frank Yannick Kessie come in that Barcelona stole? Uh, I, I would like to see another holding midfielder come in, yes. Mm. Um, I think the signing of Kamara is good, but he's young. Um, I think someone with a bit more experience would have been uh, my preference as well, just to rival the likes of McGinn and Douglas yeah. Louise. I think in particular John McGinn, who is an excellent player, but he didn't have a good season last year under Steven Gerrard. Um, maybe asked to do something a little bit different than what he was asked to do under uh, Dean Smith. But he got complacent, I think, being probably the stalwart in the midfield. And I think they need to keep bringing in players of that ilk to kind of maybe get hit, well, either to find someone better or to push him to be even better. Those are the kind. That's the way Villa's weakness is. They've got a good back line. They've got a great goalkeeper. They've got goals in Watkins and uh, Ings up front. It's just that. And they've now got that creativity with the likes of Jacob Ramsey and Philippe Coutinho. But it's that it's that ability to manage the game that they don't have in that middle of the park that I would love to see them bring in. But um, I guess they're hoping they're going to get that with... Douglas Louise and, and Baba Kamara over the, the long period of time. Well, with that, we're going to move on to our next team, which is Brentford. And we're going to be talking about teams that know how to flip players like you wouldn't believe. Let's go to the Premier League's ultimate money ball team. It is Brentford. Uh, they've gone out and done some more business. And I think, once again, some fairly smart business. And, Luke, I don't think they're done yet, but I see them finishing just above relegation. Uh, yeah, so I got them in 16th, uh, just two spots above. Um, like you said, they're very, very good at flipping players, uh, and they know how to get players in. Uh, they have spent a lot already, $19 million and $16.5 million on two of their players. Um, but in saying that, they had a good season. They had a bad season. They're probably going to stay somewhere similar. I know it was 13th last year, and I've got them down in 16th, so it is a little bit of a drop but that's only from the quality of other teams around them. I haven't watched too much of Brentford, particularly last season, um, but Ivan Tony is, is the guy. If he leaves to go to Manchester United or somewhere bigger that's going to offer him money and he's going to get a spot in a starting side that is challenging for some kind of trophy, uh, they're going to be in some serious trouble because I just cannot see where goals are coming from outside of him um, unless someone pops up with something where they're going to score uh, double figures on, them, on the, their, their own. Um, with a bit of magic, I just can't see it happening. And the, the difficult part for me, Dom, with this is two things. They've already lost Christian Eriksen on a free to Manchester United. How they didn't manage to re-sign him, I'll never know. But as I mentioned before... When he came back, that was the problem. He yeah, needed to come back and be bad. That was the problem. <laughs> he came yeah. back too good. And then the big clubs are going to take a punt on that, right? You know, he was on loan originally anyway. 
um, you know, they they were always going to go, oh, hang on a minute, he may still have some gas left in his legs, right? And he, um, and he certainly did at the end of last year. But yeah. Ivan Tony, the big rumour at the moment, he, if they lose him, it's going to hurt him. It's going to hurt Leeds, uh, Brentford. But he's rumoured to be going to Leeds for 35 million euros. That's enough for Brentford to go out and just go on a spending spree. Yeah, I, I guess. But if you're Ivan Tony, why would you want to go from one relegation candidate to another relegation candidate? That just doesn't make any sense to me. Um you know, that's, that seems a bit different, I think, you know, and then he'd have to compete for places alongside Patrick Bamford up, you know, in Leeds, whereas here he's got the run of the mill. Um, he's more likely to go to a, a, a bigger club than, I mean, I wouldn't say not a bigger club because Leeds are massive, but a, a, a more recently successful club uh, than Leeds United. They can't lose him, obviously. Uh, the big question is for Brentford is, in, is how long is this money ball uh, system going to work for them. They got off to a great start, obviously, last year, and everyone praised uh, how how effective they were. But the different things about different thing about football is is that you kind of need at the moment you need kind of two teams. All the top sides now are slowly building essentially two first grade squads to essentially swap in and out when players get tired or they pick up injuries, so on and so forth. Brentford don't have that, and they will never have that with the way that they do business. How long will it last? That's my question. I, I think it'll last another year. They can keep their squad together, but they were dangerously close to falling last year. I think it was purely because the other squads below them, like Norwich and Watford, were so bad that they didn't get there. In any other season, they would have gone down. Well, let's move on to our final team before we take our break. It is a Brighton and Hove Albion. Managed by Graham Potter, Dom Rizzuto, we have lambasted Brighton for being the home of the footballing hipsters. <laughs> um, and they, fair, fair, they showed us up last year, didn't they? They did. They were uh, one of the, they, I swear, every year the Premier League has one team that uh, outside the big six comes out and surprises you. But I have to admit, like, maybe I'm a bit cynical with Brighton, but all they did was just draw matches. They drew so many matches. Like if you've seen that, like the latter last year, they drew something like fifteen matches. It was ridiculous. It's um, like Manly United's women's team at the moment, who have yeah. now gone nine draws in at them at this exactly stage. Exactly right. Brighton Hove Albion are a really good squad, and they play some really attack good attacking football. Graham Potter is one of the most underrated managers in the Premier League, if not the most underrated manager in the Premier League. Probably more so now than Eddie Howe was, right? Like he somehow this squad, which is not a rich squad in terms of uh, economic value of the team on paper, but they are, they continuously perform week in, week out. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they can keep Mark Cucurella, um, who I believe may have signed for Manchester City. I, I don't know if it's been happening yet, but it's definitely close. I think close he might have signed on. Especially with Zinchenko going as well, it makes sense. And being that Mendy is never playing football again because he is a, not a very nice human being. Uh, let's just put it that way. Um, I imagine that, uh, that that'll come true. So that'll that'll be a big kind of loss for them because he was dynamic down that left-hand flank last year. But they need to think about, you know, they, bought, you know, they lose, um, obviously, Basuma. That's a big loss for them as well. Uh, a decent talent in, the, in that holding midfield role. So... I'd like to see where they spend their money 
um, this year, Brighton or if they choose to do so. Um, like I said, once again, Graham Potter's got a big job on his hands to try and not only just keep them in the Premier League, but keep them competitive. Well, this is the thing, Luke, is that they've now got money to spend. If Mark Cucurella has gone, as we think he has, there's going to be a lot of money for Brighton to be able to spend at this stage. The, the, the player that stands out for me in terms of who they could find is Nicholas Taliafico from Ajax and Mohamed Kamara from RP Leipzig. Both of them would be excellent fits straight in. It's just whether they want to come into a side that might not be challenging for anything. Um, Dom said a great point about Graham Potter being underrated. I, I believe he could have taken the Manchester United job and been a very, very, very good coach for them um, with what he's done with the players he's had at Brighton over the last season. With their squad, it's still pretty much similar to last year. I know they've brought in a couple of players, but they're probably going to be fringe players at best, rotational players. Maybe they'll get a, a stint where they're playing very well and they'll go into the side. Um, their, their starting 11 is probably going to be pretty set on some positions. They've got those people that are just in there, those players that are just going to stay there and stay there. Um, and they're going to just be hard to beat. Like we said, they've had thousands of draws, millions of draws. Every game's a draw. Um, but they can be good, those draws, in the long run. You can string a couple of wins on the back of a couple of draws. You're looking pretty good, and they might sneak into that 10th, 11th spot um, around there, maybe a little bit higher. But if the goals aren't coming or they don't spend correctly and they waste their money on plays that aren't going to make their starting 11, they might finish a little bit lower. Well, for me, I think the one thing they're missing at the moment is a genuine striker, not a predatory striker, which is what I think they've got in in Neil Morpy. Um, I, I, they need someone, a genuine number nine there, because that's what they're really yeah. lacking. Yeah, they've got some creativity in the midfield that can get some goals out of the midfield, but Morpy's a wing player, to be honest. He, he can get the ball down the wing, take players on, beat people with pace. Um, he's not that guy that's going to stand in the box waiting for someone to put it at his feet. Well, with that, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll have... Part two of our preview of the 2022-23 Premier League. You are listening to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcast. We do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. We'll be right back. It's time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies, from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM. Hornsby RSL Club, your perfect place to catch up with friends and family. 
With dining options ranging from modern Australian favourites in the courtyard, authentic Asian cuisine from Keku, or delicious wood-fired pizzas from Level 1, there is something for everyone to enjoy. Join us weekly for entertainment activities such as trivia, meat raffles, bingo and free live music, or grab some tickets to see one of our first-class entertainment acts in the showroom. Thinking of holding an event? Let our friendly events team guide you through every step to create the perfect event for any occasion. Visit our website at hornsbyrsl.com.au for further details. Hornsby RSL Club, proud sponsors of Triple H. Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport Teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Don Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website, iscsport.com, for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Bowling is back in Hornsby. The Attic offers a 10-pin bowling experience like no other, with Australia's first ever augmented reality scoring experience that will take your game to a whole new level. With a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, the Attic Entertainment Precinct is complete with a bar and lounge area to keep you entertained for hours. Specialising in kids' parties and celebrations, the Attic at Hornsby RSL Club is perfect for your next special event. Whether it be an afternoon out with the kids or a night out with friends, it will be an unforgettable occasion that will bowl you and your guests over. Visit our website, theattichornsby.com.au for more information. The Attic, proud sponsors of Triple H. Welcome back to Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Welcome back to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. Anthony Caruso here with Dom Rizzuto and Luke Scarley as we go through our preview for the 2022-23 Premier League. We are now in part two of four. We will be doing parts three and four in our next episode. And we're going to come up to team number six in alphabetical order. Luke, it is Chelsea. Chelsea, yes. The surprise package last season. A bit of controversy, as we all know, with what's going on in the world. A lot of players having to exit. Very, very, very unstable squad at the moment, but bringing in some very high-quality players. Maybe the best transfers so far that we've seen. Sterling, Koulibaly, high-end players that is going to make that starting eleven better. Uh, obviously, Lukaku out. That's not going to be a huge loss for them in terms of their goal production because the, the, despite the fact that he was good, Let's be realistic. He had a shocker compared to the hype he was given coming back from Inter Milan. The only problem I have with them right now is their reliance on Thiago Silva that's going to be alongside Koulibaly. I can see them too as the centre-backs with Reese James on one side. Um, and who will be on the other side? Probably Ben Chilwell. Yeah. Um, I can see him doing a bit of rotation there if Marcus Alonso stays, but let's let's say he's going to Barcelona at this point in time. Um, I'm really loving their midfield. 
a team that can have Angolo Kante possibly not starting um, is very, very good in my book. So I'm putting them very high on my list um, up in the Champions League spots at fourth. I've gone seventh place, and Dom, you've gone sixth. I'm getting the feeling that the amount of change that they're going through at the moment is just not going to settle. But, geez, Dom, the rumours are immense. Yeah, look, it, it it's an interesting one, Chelsea. I, I don't want to put them sixth, but I just I can't say that they're going to finish higher than fourth. Uh, I, I'm backing one of the teams a bit later on that we'll review to have a bit of a resurgence. You're obviously thinking your cities and your Chelsea's, are, sorry, your cities and your Liverpool's are going to be obviously one and two, and then I've got a surprise packet for you later on. So I'm just thinking, where do I put them? I, I could put them in fifth, but I think maybe Arsenal may, let's say, turn a leaf this year and, and maybe get go in front of them. I'm worried about where their goals are going to come from, especially up front. Are they going to adopt the false nine and run a Kai Havertz up front? Is Timo Werner finally going to become that uh, goal-scoring machine that he was in Bundesliga? There's so many questions to ask. I mean, they've made the signing of the, of the season, without a doubt, in Koulibaly. There's no better signing. He is, after Virgil van Dijk, the next best centre-back in the world currently. Uh, so alongside it, if they play Thiago Silva or they play, um, I'm not too sure who they played is, but they lost Christensen, so not too sure who they're going to who they're going to probably play. So it probably is going to be Thiago Silva. They've got arguably one of the best backline in the competition, but and then obviously in goals they've got Mendy who's excellent as well. My question is, is how are they going to how they well how are they going to line up up front and whether or not they're going to be able to score as many goals as the likes of City or Liverpool, potentially United or Arsenal. So I've have them in six, but that could be, you know, totally wrong. They've done a good clean out too, which will help them. It'll be interesting to see who they who they look at in the uh, transfer market, especially to replace Romelu Lukaku up front, who obviously had a dreadful return <laughs> to um, the London outfit last season. I can see Kai Havertz staying up there as as their guy and just building around him with Mount and Sterling and even possibly Werner in there or Pulisic, the forgotten son from the US. Mm-hmm. Um, he can drop into any of those roles across the front, um, which is going to give him a lot of options. But just like City before, they got their big man up front. They played without a guy there and they just rotated those small guys and was creative. And Chelsea, Tuchel, he can work that same system. So that's why I'm confident with him. Let's move on to Crystal Palace. One of the other surprises for us, Dom, from last year, and we're pretty close in terms of the predictions. Myself and Luke, 13th, Dom for 12th. And Dom, Crystal Palace, you know, we thought they were favourites for relegation. Rick Vieira has done a brilliant job with them this year, and I think they're going to continue it forward. Yeah, I think that they will stay where they are in terms of their um, positioning on the ladder. One of the things that they did really well last year was obviously unearthing Conor Gallagher. Uh, We'll be very interested to see if Chelsea allow him to leave. Uh, He, as a player, can't be sticking behind the likes of Mason Mount. I can't say someone come to me and go, Mason Mount is 10 times better than Conor Gallagher. It's just not true. So a guy of his quality needs to be playing first-team football week in, week out. Where he goes is, you know, up for debate. If I was Palace, I'd be 
opening up the checkbook, which they haven't really done yet this uh, season, apart from bringing in Cheek Diokore from um, FC Lunds. Uh, so I'd be interested to see what they do do with the checkbook because the biggest thing last year was they did kind of open it up. They bought in some guys up front in Odds and Eduardo and um, the uh, sorry, excuse, excuse me, the other guy who who came in along. Um, Side him has just escaped me for uh, oh, Mateta, apologies, John Philippe Mateta. They bought him those two, and they didn't really combine all that well whatsoever. They won through the likes of Conor Gallagher and Wilfred Zaha. Uh, they'll hope that obviously Everici say gets back to full fitness and plays to his abilities too. But other than that, they've got some, you know they're going to need some another thing, and they got need they haven't got the goals up front. Uh, if they want to get into that top 10. But they've got the formula there, which uh, Patrick Vieira um, has unearthed and made them far more exciting to watch than they've been in the last five to 10 years. Well, the other one thing with this, Luke, is that they've um, managed to reinvigorate the careers to a certain extent of Christian Benteke and Jordan Ayew. Mm, definitely. Uh, they're still heavily reliant on Zaha, but the, Benteke and Ayew have provided clinical goals when they've been needed, especially Benteke. Some of the goals he came up with out of nowhere um, to either win them games or get them draws that they sincerely needed um, was magical. And Patrick Vieira has done a great job doing that to unearth um, forgotten talents and bring in new talents like Gallagher that he got on that loan. But their, their guy is still Zaha. And if you're relying on Zaha to score you upward of 15 goals a season... Um, just to get you above that relegation area. And if he doesn't, maybe you'll be slipping into that relegation area. I'm afraid for Crystal Palace, but Vieira is a very good coach. I think he can continue to get the best out of Zaha. Let's move on to our next team. Oh, boy. I've just had a look at who the next team is. And uh, are we ready for round two of the dumpster fires to come? We are talking about Everton. (laughs) Poor old Everton. Oh, dear, oh, dear. If ever you could write a TV drama or at least do a replication of Thunderland Till I Die, you could do one about Everton over the last two to three years. It would make for incredible viewing, despite the fact you'd just be watching a very slow train wreck, Dom. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a disaster. Um, uh, Everton's... Uh, I would say uh, newest newest era uh, under their their new owners who have really done. Uh, I thought they haven't opened the checkbook up. It's just a bit purchased poorly and it just hasn't all gone well. I mean, it all obviously all started from the when they bought in Rafa Benitez last year to replace Carlo Ancelotti. Um, you know, obviously they had to lose Carlo Ancelotti. Uh, he wanted to go back to Madrid and he was justified in that by winning the Liga and the Champions League. They bought in the wrong manager at the t- that time. They've now bought in Frank Lampard, who did a miraculous – I want to say miraculous job. Maybe they got a little lucky um, to avoid relegation in the end, but they did it anyway. They clear out a lot of the uh, old contingent that they don't need there, but the big loss, obviously, is Richarlison, who lived and breathed um, a blue side of Merseyside um, when he he was there, but he's gone over to Spurs – I think it's about time that he went and played at a a club that's uh, competing for Champions League places. 
Lampard's got a big job on his hand. He's made an excellent signing in James Tarkovsky, um, hopefully to probably replace the likes of Michael Keane, who I don't think is Premier League standard, um, alongside maybe maybe Mason Holgate, who's that young guy there. They've got they need Dominic Calvert Lewin to stay on the field for the entire season, and maybe they will have a, mir- a miracle will happen and Deli Ali will rediscover his form that had him as one of the you know most electric midfielders in England only two seasons ago. Um, but that obviously remains to be seen and they still need to bring in some players to strengthen this squad, in, especially in terms of creativity, which I just don't think they have. And if they're relying on Damari Gray and Andros Townsend again, Andros Townsend again this year, they're going to be in real trouble. Well, Luke, let's go to the possibilities they've got because at this point they've got 58 million euros to spend. That's enough to get you half a team, really, with what's available. And there are some well, options for them these in days. The room. <laughs> Depends on how you want to spend it, I guess. Um... They could just splash it all back on one or two players that could really, really strengthen the side at either the back or the front. Um, they need someone who can actually run in the back, to be honest. Michael Keane, Dom said it perfectly. He's not Premier League standard. The man couldn't run at all last year. Holgate, very, very young. He's the only one that's going to give you any kind of coverage pace if someone does break the back line. And then Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the guy that's got to be there the whole season now. He's going to have to be that striker that plays 90 minutes every week um, and he's clinical within the box. He's tall, he's powerful, he can run with the ball, he's got a bit of trickery and he's just got to put it in the back of the net. He did do it a lot in the last few seasons. I think he hit double figures both years um, in limited game time, but double figures just ain't going to cut it with this side. He needs to get up around about the 18 to 20 mark, I reckon on his own back playing at least 35 games this year for them to have any kind of chance. With the rumours they've got going about who they're looking at at the moment, gentlemen, um, I've got, we've got Harry Winks, Alex, Alexander Zinchenko, Brennan Johnson, Morgan Gibbs-White, Adama Traore, Armando Broja, and Jesse Lingard, all linked. But, vast majority of them are attacking mindset players. They mm. need someone to step into to defence. I don't see any of them really doing that. Well, they've got speed. Tarkovsky, um, and that's great for them, but he's got that great Premier League experience, and he is a defensive-minded player, but one player is just not going to be enough in that squad um, to think defensively. You need three, four maybe even five, so there's a rotational system. I know the World Cup's there and people are going to get recovery time and they're going to be able to rotate their squads a little bit differently through that uh, Christmas period. Um, but Adama Chari, most of the time at the clubs he goes to, he's been listed as defender. He is permanently parked in the attacking half um, and he would do wonders for them if they could get him. But $20 million is going to be a cheap side, a cheap amount. He's probably going to be in that $30 million range, which is already over half the amount they got through Charleston. You talk about runners, though, who they who they need to be targeting, and I think actually a lot of clubs should be targeting, is Amar Amanda Broja. He, he, is, he is a weapon. They, people need to be going after him um, big time. He's been uh, left out of the Chelsea preseason tour in America, so he's back and he was he's negotiating with he clubs. Was electric, he was electric for Southampton last they year. They need him back. The and Adama Traore should also make a move because 
unless you can rediscover it at Wolverhampton this year, he was not the same player um, under new management this year. Um, and perhaps maybe needs a change of scenery uh, mm. in in maybe moving to Everton. Uh, maybe you know the blue side, you know the the blue uh, toffee jersey will look good on his uh, you know extremely large torso, um, <laughs> but I th- don't think he's the man they want. And Amanda Broja is an absolute weapon, and he'll come cheap too. And also, yeah, yeah okay. Maxwell Corne would be an excellent sign too from Burnley. What an impact substitution he was for them uh, when they narrowly missed out, obviously on uh, survival last season. He'd be a good signing. There's plenty of players who I think could, they could get at cut price Everton, but I don't think that's the approach they need to take. They tried to do that when Rafa Benitez came in, bought in Damari Gray, bought in Andros Townsend. They had about four good games. Everyone got on the bandwagon, and then all of a sudden it just collapsed because everyone realized, oh, it's only Damari Gray and Andros Townsend. So, and then they lost Calvert-Lewin up front. So they need they need reinforcements, but they need good reinforcements, not a little, just a little, guys a little who little play bit two of... games good. A little bit of fun before we go to our next team. Who wins a de- uh, who wins a um, bench press challenge between Adama Traore and Bayo Akinfenwa? Oh, Akinfenwa for sure. <laughs> You're talking relative strength. It's got to be Adama Traore, but Akinfenwa just has that size, mate. He's going to win all day. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on to Fulham, the team that won the AFL Championship last year, and it is the only team that the three of us have actually agreed on in terms of where they're going to finish. We've got them all finishing last. <laughs> poor old, poor old Fulham. I mean, they bought in Jao Palahinya from Sporting Lisbon. That's a big signing. Andres Pereira has been on the periphery of United squad for years, so that's some good. Uh, early business, but they lose Fabio Carvalho to Liverpool. That's a big loss. Uh, Jean-Michael Siri, who um, finally uh, um, got good in the squad. They let him go on free to Hull. Uh, Steven Sessegnon uh, to Charlton on loan, so that's a strange still signing playing. too. Um, Steven Sessegnon still playing. Yeah, I guess so. Um but the big thing for Fulham this year is can, first of all, the big two questions are this. Can Tom Kearney make the step up and be Premier League quality? And the second question is, can Alexander Mitrovic step up and be Premier League quality? Those are the two big questions. If, they goes to, if that happens, then they've got a chance. They've got a chance of staying up. But they need to bring in some players. So like some two, like Harry Wilson's a good player. Um, he will give them that creativity too. But they need some defenders. They need some Premier League quality defenders, and they also probably need uh, a little bit more creative, uh, like a holding midfielder as well, who can you know be of Premier League quality and keep them in games for longer periods of time. And this is the thing, Luke, is that this is a team that two years ago. Has, again, had no problem scoring goals in, the, in this competition. And Mitrovic showed glimpses of what he could do from his days when he was at Newcastle United. They couldn't defend to save their life. Absolutely not. Mitrovic, he is a Premier League player in some sense, but he is a much better championship player in other senses. If he's not going to score goals, they can't defend for their life, as you said, Anthony. So they're going to concede goals. A 4-3 is something you rack up on FIFA every every time you play. It's not a, something you want as a Premier League club. They're going to have a really small squad. Um, they do have spending power 
just coming up as first place in the championship. Harry Wilson, Mitrovic, Kearney, Knockhart, like they've had their chances in the Premier League and never actually shown that they can be that person um, in the Premier League. Maybe this season will be it, but we all agreed on it. 20th uh, history shows they go back down as soon as they come straight back up. Well, let's go on to our last team for the episode. It is Leeds United. And last year, Luke, we saw the conclusion of Bielsa Ball at Leeds United. It was probably one of the weirdest, I guess, transitions I'd ever seen, especially with the work that Bielsa had done to get these guys back in the Premier League and for them to Mm. throw the whole thing out and start again. They just got over the line this year. The three of us agree they won't make it. Well, we think nah. they won't make it. Yeah, well, there's always that possibility. Maybe they're going to reinvest their money that they've uh, they've uh, sold off players from very well. They could really strengthen their squad. Um, Rafinha was their reliable guy last year. Calvin Phillips was their anchor. Both gone. Um, Calvin Phillips, obviously, to another Premier League team in City. Not that Leeds are going to be in that that realm of giving up players to play to teams that it, they've got to beat. Um, I think they're going to keep all of their players from selling them to those kind of clubs. But those two guys were, were their guys last year. And right now they have not uh, brought players in that will directly uh, impact what they've lost. Sinistera, very good. Tyler Adams, you can say what you want about why he's coming into the side, um, just following uh, his coach from other clubs. But he'll be good. He's no Calvin Phillips. Sinistera, very good. I've watched a bit of him um, at Feyenoord uh, in the past, but in comparison to Rafinha, he's not going to be the same kind of play. He will do things that are similar, but he's not going to be that person. And, like, this, this squad is just not good enough for my, for my liking. Um, Jesse Marsh, very good. He could do some good coaching. But for me, again, I just don't see it. There's a couple of interesting rumours going around at the moment, Dom, and two of them have sort of pricked my interest at the moment. The first one is Nicolas Pepe from Arsenal for 25 million euros, and the other one is one Marta, is one Marta from Man U on a free. I mean, I, those two transfers, um, I pretty much think uh, summarise. <laughs> how bad the season is going to be for Leeds fans thinking that it's going to be uh, sunshine and lollipops. It's going to be anything but that. The loss of Rafinha, I I mean, I was saying this last year before he even did another season with Leeds that he was far too good for Leeds United, like far too good. Calvin Phillips, look, shoot me. I don't see it. I I don't see it personally. Um, they got overs. Do you think they got yeah, overs? Yeah, I, I think City have played the the, the English player tax for Phillips. Yep. Um, I, I don't see it. He got picked by Southgate a lot in the in the Euros too, and yeah, he was good. But is he as good as Declan Rice? I don't think so. Right? Like, um, and then everyone they've lost a few other players too, and they haven't replaced. Uh, wait a minute, but. Regardless, he's still better than he's still their best midfielder, and they're not yeah. going to be able to replace him that easily. Um, and Rafinha is irreplaceable. He's, he's an irreplaceable player for a for a team like Leeds United, right? It's like when Spurs lost Gareth Bale uh, all those years ago. It's the same thing. Um, 
they could easily slip into relegation this year. Um, I think they just have the maybe the Premier League experience to 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 stay up. But honestly, I have them in seventeenth, but not really confident with that tip. If that makes sense to our listeners. I oh, sorry, I have them eighteenth. I have them going down. No, you've got you have them going down. I do have them going down. I thought yeah. so. I, I read it wrong. Yeah, yeah they're going. Yeah, you, you can't thought... see how a, a coach or anyone in, uh, in a position of uh, spending would think that bringing in Juan Mata to replace Calvin Phillips, even though Dom said. He's not the guy to him. I do see it as well. He, he He's not that person. I think he's just the hype of the Englishman being that big, strong man in midfield. But bringing in Juan Mata as a possibility to replace Phillips is lunatic-esque um, from the front office to rely on someone who's past 35 to anchor your midfield. However, though, it would make an amazing story. So I'm all it for would. it. Four one matter saving leads from relegation. Bringing at back this 2010 Chelsea uh, form yeah. just for one <laughs> season, keep them up, and then just go on your merry way and retire. Yeah. Go and back to Spain and do something. Season. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it would be amazing to see. Yeah, don't forget, one matter is actually considered the most intelligent person in the Premier League. Because don't correct me if I'm wrong. He's got three university degrees as well, doesn't he? So he's not going to be exactly short of a job. No, definitely not. Oh. He's got those that got knowledge. He, he knows everything about the game. Yeah, my coaching gig right around the corner for oh, one absolutely. month. Absolutely, he's, he's, he's the next coach for sure. Yeah, the next Before player coach. But we, know, uh, but we would know as and growing up with as as kids. Yeah, he'll yeah. drop into that Pep Guardiola assistant role and just do a Mikel Arteta eventually, and take another side up. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is a full time of part one of our preview of the twenty. 20- 22-23 Premier League season. We'll have part two coming to you next week, and we cannot wait to go with that. Our thanks to Dom Rizzuto. First off, mate, we're going to do this again next week, aren't we? We do. We've still got another 10 teams to go, ladies and gents, so make sure you keep your ears uh, stuck to the pavement so that you can hear all the goss uh, coming out from uh, our mouths for the uh, part two of our Premier League preview. And Luke, a pleasure to have you on and you'll be back with us next week. I will. I'll be back to uh, preview my favourite club, Liverpool. I know Dom's got some very off-the-cuff surprises coming up, um, which (laughs) I'm very eager to hear his analysis on why he did those things. Um, I hope the listeners will be just as uh, questionable about it as I am. Well put, well put. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is full-time on Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, www.triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts, we do it all for Atlas Chartered Accountants, The Post, The Hornsby RSL, ISC Sports and Business Plaza. On behalf of Dom Rizzuto and Luke Scarley, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run harder, run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.